The purity of a person's heart can be quickly measured by how they regard animals. This quote couldn't be further from the truth. One such amazing heart is that of Anna Clements, the co-founder and director of SOS Galgos, based in Barcelona, Spain. Her work is the absolute definition of the unbridled beauty of humanity. Along with her partners and the majority of the Spanish people, she has taken on the quandary of the Galgos, or Spanish Greyhounds, by standing firmly against the torturing, abandoning, and killing of thousands of these dogs every year by Galgueros, or hunters, in Spain. We will also hear from Rhonda Hart about her visit to Spain from America and her collaboration with Galgo Rescues, which ultimately resulted in her transporting some of these beautiful creatures back to the United States. Tune in to learn about the plight of the Galgos and how together we can help to end their suffering once and for all. I'd like to welcome Miss Anna Clements, the director of SOS Galgos, which is based in Barcelona, Spain. Hi, Anna, how are you? Hi, fine, thank you. Thank you very much. Okay, I am so excited that you can join us today. Thank you so much for joining us um, on the Rescue Revolution podcast. It's and an honor. Thank you so much for inviting me. Absolutely welcome. So today's story is very important. It's a very important one because it touches millions of people around the world. You know, many people have dogs and they are their nearest and dearest companions. And this is something, there's something about this species and the special bond that we have with this man's best friend. And the subject of galgos, that's what we're gonna talk about today. It was recently brought to my attention and I was surprised and very appalled by what is currently happening to them. And this is why I wanted to bring light to the subject because you know they really need our help and our protection. So Anna, please, Shed some light on the plight of the Galgos. What's going on with them today? What's happening? Well, Galgos are being very much abused. Um, it's a small circle, but they're doing a lot of harm, these hunters that use them. They're called Galgueros, and um, they, they use the Galgos to hair course, um, for hair coursing. So uh, what they do is they have them in awful... Um, unhygienic places that's where they keep them and they don't have one or two they have five or ten or fifteen or twenty um, there's no control over how many um, they have and so uh, for instance us uh, people who are um, just normal people who, who don't hunt are um, are only allowed to have I think it's four maximum um, otherwise, you need to have a special license. Well, they're completely let off the hook, these people, the hunters. No one controls them. Um, it, it seems to have become a very normalized um, situation, and uh, they just do what they want with them. They use and abuse them, and nothing happens to them. And as if life wasn't hard enough for these dogs, um, now the law is uh, is not going to be on their side either, um, because the government is uh, is considering um, including an amendment in the new law for protection of animals to exclude 
um, the protection of all working dogs, um, galgos used for hunting, but also therapy and police dogs, which is just completely um, senseless. It's madness. And we're going back in time. We're in the 21st century and um, we cannot understand how a political party can, uh, can even consider uh, something so absurd um, to be carried out. So animal protection organizations, there's over 150 of us, have um, come together to create a coalition um, to protest against this amendment and put pressure on the government so that this amendment doesn't come to, doesn't materialize. Uh, and so various um, actions have been um, initiated. Uh, one is a protest bus. Um, and that has been driving around um, in the capital of Spain, Madrid, and also um, in Barcelona, very cosmopolitan city. Um, and it, it's blazoned with um, the slogan, um, same dogs, same law in Spanish. And there's a picture of a galgo hanged because this also happens to them. It's one of the ways that hunters get rid of their dogs because they don't use rifles. They use the dogs as weapons. So they don't have a rifle to shoot the dog. Um, not that that's acceptable either, but hanging it or throwing it down wells or um, handing it over to a, 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 a pound where after 10 days it gets put to sleep when it's perfectly healthy. All these things are so wrong. And uh, so what, what this bus is driving around to protest and to raise awareness about this amendment, it shows the president of Spain um, turning his back on a galgo being hanged uh, and the rope has the logo of the Socialist Party, which is a bunch of roses and a fist. Mm -hmm. So just to kind of clarify for the listeners, you know, during hunting season. This happens every single year. Correct. It's yes. A, and it spans from September to February. February. And during this time, the hunters are using these dogs to hunt hares or rabbits, correct? Out in that is correct. That is correct. Um, what, what they do is they take um, the dogs out usually on Sundays and um, they have them run after a hare in a parallel line. And when the dogs do a zigzag or they go out of line, they're considered dirty, they call them in Spanish. They have a whole vocabulary to qualify stupid rules that they consider um, uh, make the dog worthy or not of carrying on uh, with them or they get rid of it like trash. And um, it's, they also just keep them to use them as breeding, breeding machines, the females. Mm -hmm. And um, what, what, in fact, the dog that go, uh, takes a shortcut to, and doesn't go in a straight line to get to the hair is actually uh, smarter because, um, you know, these dogs are just trained to, to hunt and, and uh, usually they're working life ends after one or two or three seasons at the most hunting seasons so we usually get them when they're two or three years old we don't often get puppies sometimes they test the puppies when they're eight or nine months old in the first month of, of the hunting season and we also get a lot of abandoned dogs 
at that time at the beginning as well young puppies um so yeah uh it's it's just very tiresome um we've began uh we've we've created a school to teach children to respect animals um in the hope of contributing towards um creating better citizens all around uh, yes. in the community i definitely want to talk to you more detail about that because I think that education is, is definitely key. I just kind of wanted to go back though and I want to touch on again the hunting just to kind of clarify for people out there. The dog is used for hunting once they're done with the hunting season like you said either they keep them for another hunting season but most of them discard the dogs and why? Is it, I mean, from what I'm understanding, they do it because it's expensive to keep the dog? They do, They simply don't want to um, spend money on feeding them when they're not being used for hunting uh, okay. during the off season. It's faster and cheaper to just get rid of them, breed new ones. That's right. And the cycle That's right. going. So That's this right. is, we're talking about thousands of dogs that are dying. Thousands, That's right? That's right. That's right. It's uh, thousands, thousands, because at the moment there's um, there's uh, 120,000 hunters um, and we don't have a clear study on how many galgos they have. That's that's another um, condition we're asking the authorities to to do to carry out. They've got the resources. Um, and it's just uh, a situation, it's just so unsustainable. And at the beginning, when we began 20, 20, 22 years ago, uh, internet was just beginning. And uh, so we and a few other charities uh, were, were, were reporting the cruelty um, happening. But then the hunters started to uh, realized that more and more shelters were, um, were were stepping up and offering to take their dogs. And so they started emotionally blackmailing uh, charities saying, if you don't take our dogs, we're going to kill them. And obviously, we are all giving in to this blackmail. And so the, the uh, activism... <sighs> became diluted in a sense because it was becoming the situation was becoming normalized and you you know we you can't possibly absorb the amount of dogs that are being discarded it's just completely un, unsustainable and it's not right to provide a, to pick up the pieces for these um you know uh I don't. I can't even bring myself to call them human beings because they're monsters. So it's not a question of choosing whether to help animals or people. Like that, often is the argument. You can help both. It's not a. It's a win-win situation all round. We don't want these galgos or the Spanish greyhound, as they're known, to suffer during hunting season because they're not fed. Like you said, they're put into deplorable, like cellar-like places they're packed several dogs uh they're not fed or cared for and then on top of that on top of these dogs serving these hunters they're disposed of after they're done with and but they're disposed of in inhumane ways um because like you said they don't have a gun so they're just going to do any which way or anything to them to try to get rid of them so some use hammers some you know 
put them in bags and put them down a river and just have them, you know, deplete oxygen slowly. And that's a, that's a slow suffocating death. I mean, some throw them down wells or hang them. And you know, when you're throwing an animal down a well, they're breaking bones. So they're getting there. They didn't just die immediately. And then they're starved to death, obviously. So we want to stop and end that suffering. And then going back to the amendment that you touched on, mm. this amendment is supposed to possibly be passed in mid-November, correct? Yes, that is correct. So mm. the, the biggest slogan is same dog, same laws. And as you were saying earlier, you know, pets are mm. differently than working dogs. Like, like That's you right. Be, because the new law for animal, uh, animal welfare protection law uh, it is so strict that it would make um, the hunters' lives very difficult, and that's why they're so um, they're so insistent on th this breed being excluded because they they don't want to have to be made to respect their animals like everyone else has to. That's unacceptable. I mean, we as a people we have to speak up for these animals. They don't have a voice. They're put into this predicament by no fault of their own. They're forced to do all these things and then they're disposed of. So we have mm -hmm. to stand. I know that um, there's a letter to the Spanish ambassador that has yes. been by you, by uh, SOS Galgos. And I've actually shared it to, to my Facebook, but I am gonna put it also in the comments so people can cut and paste it. It takes a few minutes. It's literally written for you. It's against this amendment passing without including the dogs under animal protection. We need to include these dogs, all dogs, same dogs under the exactly. same. Correct? Exactly, because um, people have to express their rejection to any part, any part of this said amendment. I mean, not only does it open the door to continued abuse of these animals, it's also an affront to those who dedicate our lives and time uh, and resources to fighting against the abandonment and, and abuse of animals in Spain. And this has been going on for, I mean, you've been rescuing for 20 years. So this has been going on for a very long time. And think about this. I mean, every single year, thousands are being killed and it's time for us to step up and say that's enough. So time is of the essence. Right now it's early November. We have a few more weeks, as many letters as we can get. All you have to do is cut and paste it sign your name and send it to the email um, that's provided. I'm gonna put that also, but I'm gonna say it here in case you're just listening. Uh, it's emb.washington at m-a-e-l, uh, sorry, m-a-e-c, is that correct? Yes, Let me see. yeah, m-a-e-c dot e-s. E so I'm gonna say it again, emb.washington at m-a-e-c, M-A-A-C, right, <laughs> dot E-S. And again, it'll be in the, the notes as well. Um, please, if you know of any people who love dogs or animal activists, send it to them. It takes a second, click it, send it. The more international awareness we can have and show the Spanish government that we're all aware of what's happening, it's gonna put pressure so that these animals are under the Protection Act, correct? Absolutely, these dogs really need you. So please, please be their voice. They're yeah. voiceless and they need our help. We need to step up and, and speak out for them. We need to help them. It's yeah. our, we owe them so much. And um, we, we are responsible as human beings to, 
you know, to, to it's our duty to help them. So, you know, it's not someone else's problem. It's everyone's problem. And I mean, this has reached an international scale because in New York City in October, we just had a huge protest, right? That is correct. Yeah, 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 we did. We did. We teamed up with a, a group called uh, No Dogs Left Behind. And um, it was thanks to them. It was a joint effort. And um, we, we were really able to, to speak out loud and, um, you know, demand um, the, con the ambassador, the consulate, the Spanish uh, consulate in New York um, to take action. Um, and done in front of their building, right? So that they can- That is correct. That is correct. Yes, yes, yes. So uh, we came together for this um, demonstration, um, this, ga this, this gathering. Um, and that same day on the 16th of October, so did many, many hundreds and thousands of people in Spain um, protest in Barcelona, Seville, Madrid, um, it was very, very passionate. Um, everyone feels very passionate about the, the subject because it's so wrong and it's a government-backed amendment and it's a serious, um, it's a serious issue. It's really alarming. Clarify that obviously the majority of, of Spain does not agree with this. You no. know. Um, mm. This is uh, based on a small number of what, what we call hunters. So not all Spaniards are hunters. Most Spaniards are against this. And we're trying to get awareness all over the world to join Spain and the Spanish people to help them um, get these dogs protected, right? That's right. And I, I mean, SOS Galgos is speaking here, but we're just one more charity of the 150 charities that have come together to speak out in one voice for um for for, for these dogs and yeah. uh it's so important for the message to be pure and undiluted and uh we're doing our, our best to to help them and we really hope that um the government listens to us uh, there's been celebrities interviewed um and uh in spain and we certainly hope that uh they will the government will take action and listen to yeah. And I thought the bus was a great idea because it was a, a moving campaign. It was a, a moving marketing campaign, you know, where uh, I saw the celebrities stand next to it and talk. Um, I was looking at how, I mean, this is very costly, but you're doing it because you need to, to generate awareness, which brings me to the next thing, which I want to talk about SOS Galgos and what you guys do. I know that shelters in Spain can be can overflow with these animals. So, you know, you've decided to open up this uh, this sh this shelter. Actually, it's a nonprofit organization. About what twenty years ago. So, tell me a little bit about what you guys do. Well, we have um, a shelter just outside um, Barcelona, mm -hmm. and it's it's not only a shelter, but it's an education center too. Um, we have a capacity for fifty dogs and two classrooms and a business plan to be able to fund um, the caring of the dogs in a sustainable way. Um, that was really key. Um, obviously we need donations to survive until um, the schools uh, come on a very regular basis. And then 
we mean regular as in twice a day and a school outing. So um, 50 children come twice a day and they learn all about animals, respect, um, giving and sharing. And uh, because kids nowadays, they know all about technology, but they lack a connection with nature and animals. Um, so what we do is uh, we do very carry out various activities with them and all adapted to their age level from kindergarten age to to secondary school. And we even have some university um, level students who come and, and spend sometimes three months at a time, which is wonderful. Um, and uh, it's it's just a really positive program uh, and it. it, it it's very enriching for everyone because you have the impression that you're making a difference in the long term. Yeah. And, and at the same time, it goes hand, hand in hand with the rescue work. Uh, we have to have the dogs there, obviously, to raise the awareness and to find them homes, uh, recover them. A lot of them are there several months because uh, they're learning to trust humans again. Um, and uh, a lot of them have a lot of emotional scars. Some have um, physical scars, for instance, uh, we recently rescued one with a broken jaw that needed a plate um, inserted in his jawbone. And uh, I mean, now his tongue hangs out, but it doesn't matter. He's not in any pain. He eats well. He's a happy boy. His name is Lucky oh. and uh, he needs a home. Yeah, as meant as so. So do all the others we have we have um, with us. They all need homes. They all need to get out. Um, to find homes. Soon in a couple of weeks, we have eight who are going to uh, leave and go to Chicago through an organization called the Daphne Legacy Tour. And um, that is uh, a wonderful thing that we're able to, um, to collaborate that to help them find um, homes across the pond. Yes, and that's another thing I wanted to touch on was uh, some of the work that you're doing overseas, obviously, to help with the, with the dogs. But prior to me going to that, I just wanted to say that I love your philosophy on education because I know that a lot of these things have been ingrained in traditions that have been for a long time. And so to fight against that, what you're doing is you're educating the new, educating the new generations. And therefore, it starts when you're young and it's to change the mindset of how to deal with animals. And I absolutely adore that. I love it. And I know you're a teacher yourself. So you're, you. in your, yes. you're in your, yes, I was a teacher for, for many, many years to uh, 27, four-year-olds. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and then I was a teacher trainer for a publishing company. And, um, and eventually I had to decide whether to carry on and, and or, leave it um, behind and uh, join forces uh, for, to help speak up for the animals, yeah. which I obviously chose because uh, there's less teachers. Um, I mean, there's plenty of teachers out there, but there are less um, animal yeah. welfare activists. Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. And, you know, you made an amazing noble decision. That's, that's definitely the truth. So going to your partnerships all over the world. I know you've got partnerships in Spain itself, and you've also gotten partnerships um, outside in the US. And I know um, later on in this episode, I'm gonna be talking to Rhonda Hart, who 
uh, physically went to Spain and helped with uh, rescuing Galgo. So we'll get her insight on how. Fantastic. Um, but in the meantime, I wanted to talk to you about what goes into that. So you're saying that there's going to be, you know, some of the animals are coming to Chicago. Um, what does that entail? Well, um, it entails a lot of work behind the scenes of pre preparing the dogs, um, getting them used to being in crates um, when they're eating. And then we drive them to, to Madrid because uh, there's a direct flight there. Um, before the pandemic, we were able to, to send dogs from Barcelona, but for some reason, uh, air, airlines of, of, of there's lots of low cost airlines now that don't that don't fly dogs. So um, we have to just use one airline that leaves from from Madrid, and that's about six hours drive from us. And then um, and then they I mean, we can't send them all year round to places like Chicago because it's too cold in the winter. So we've got to do it like now and then in the spring. Mm -hmm. And you can't do it either in the bang in the sum, middle of the summer because then it's too hot. So you've got to, to choose the dates carefully. Mm -hmm. um, and we, 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 we are very happy to to send them to Michigan um, and also it's, it's just fantastic to have these collaborations. Fantastic. And I think you had mentioned Miami at some point. You also have collaborations with, with someone in Miami. Um, this is just fantastic because the more obviously you're sending, the more room you have in your facility to, in, to take in more dogs and keep on saving. Now, these dogs, once they're rescued, um, you know, what, what goes into that? I'm sure there's vetting, blood work, uh, Yes, once they're once they're rescued, um, what we do is the first thing we do is we do blood check check checks on them to make sure they're free of um, well to check whether they're free of Mediterranean diseases, um, which is like there's tick-borne disease like Lyme disease, Ehrlichia. There's um, um, mosquito-borne uh, disease called Leishmania, which is like the equivalent of malaria, and people attacks the um, dog's immune system and eventually if it's not detected it attacks its kidney and they die of kidney failure mm -hmm. and there's also heartworm in some areas of Spain um, so we check for that as well um, which is uh, lava that travels through the bloodstream and ends up in the heart as I think it exists also in in America and um, and and so if they do if they are um, if, if they are carriers of any of these diseases we treat them and uh, and they're very resilient breed, the Galgos, very resilient. They've they've changed very little since uh, the Egyptians had them over five thousand years ago. That's so amazing. you know, and unlike the American or Irish or British greyhound, they they're not prone to suffering from bone cancer. Plus oh, that's a plus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're very strong. They're very streetwise, and they're funny and um they're lazy they're a bit like big cats they won't go and fetch the ball for you but they'll play with floppy toys on their own they're yeah. adorable they're very honest and you know you can really see through them they have a very pure soul and um they're they're just special they're very special and i think that once you meet one you just fall in love <laughs> 
I've already fallen in love with them and I haven't even met them just <laughs> well you know what you have to do <laughs> I have to, honestly I one day I'm going to own a Galgo I think that this cause is just an amazing and noble cause uh I love it you know like I said so many of us have dogs I have two rescue dogs I couldn't imagine anyone mistreating them I love them so much they're like my children so knowing that all these dogs out there, you know, and dogs are so loyal and they're so trusting. And so they'll let you do anything to them because they think, Oh, you're my owner. I love you. And it's sad um, that this is what's happening to them. But as far as, um, you know, all the partnerships here, um, once you get the animals vetted and they're ready to go, then obviously adoption, what are like adoption fees and how yes. Yes. What we do is we, we, we charge a 400 euro adoption fee to cover um, the dog's medical costs. Um, and uh, I mean, here in Spain, the wages are quite low. And so sometimes we, we get, well, sometimes most of the time we get very, very good families, but that are struggling financially. So a lot of them uh, pay it in stages and we're just fine with that just as long as we can recover you know, the, the, the money we've, we've invested in, in their rescue to be able to carry on. Um, but even so, it is a struggle because we have overhead costs that are very expensive. And uh, we, we depend on people's donations to be able to, to take over and carry on. Um, and uh, we are struggling at the moment. We do need donations to, to be able to help more. And until we can't get um, the survivors rehomed, we can't rescue more. So it's really important to, to get the adoptions uh, going and moving and for there to be a, a proper rotation to keep, them, um, to keep them off the streets. Yes, definitely. And, you know, that actually, that's great because if you think about all the costs that go into not only vetting, but treating, uh, spaying or neutering, vaccines. I mean, that's a lot. So if you were to get a dog on your own and you did all of that, it's gonna cost a lot more than that, so. That's right. And then, then we have the airfare over to the States, which is um, 300 euros, which is about the same as the dollar. Mm -hmm. And we have the crate, which is more expensive here. It's a hundred and it's 105 euros crate. It's still quite a lot more expensive than, than they cost in the States. Um, and, uh, yeah, we don't usually get them back because obviously we can't carry an empty one back easily on the plane back. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's, it's a costly thing to, to, you know, carry out. Hmm. You go with, with a person, right? You have to have. Yes, yes, yes. Um, the, on, in, on the, uh, yeah, in the ones going to Chicago are going with, um, seven people and four dogs each mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah that's amazing so then they land here and they're ready they're ready for adoption right because they've already been born right that's right being done so we're gonna have and we have sos galgos usa in pittsburgh and we have the uh, 501c status um so that that's always uh, good and we, we're always seeking um corporate sponsorship to be able to help us um, operate and carry on with with the whole um, monthly costs that, that the charity is is um, facing at the moment. Definitely. Um, so, 
I'm going to be sharing all of the donation information uh, in the uh, episode description so that people know exactly where to go. And, and I'll say it uh, also here, um, you Thank know, you a lot of the Greyhound uh, industry in the United States has been closing down as far as Greyhound racing. And that's actually, it's great, obviously, but it also is good in the fact that it might make some room for the Galgos to come and for all those Greyhound lovers that want to rescue Greyhounds, here's your chance, you know? <laughs> Absolutely, serial adopters, <laughs> here we come, the Galgos now. <laughs> yes, no, they really, they really need to, they need, they need to be helped by as many people as possible. And, you know, American people have such big hearts, you know, the more we can get over, the luckier the Galgos will be. Yes, thank you. Now, I know Americans are probably asking and people are all over the world are asking, um, you know, if you were to get a dog from Spain, is it difficult? What is required to get them out of the country? It's, it's not difficult. Um, the CDC have banned um, hundreds of, well, over 100 uh, countries from entering Canada. And that was the case um, last year to enter America, but now uh, the ban has been lifted. Um, partially but Spain was never in that list mm -hmm. so um it's been very lucky the Galgos do have a chance to to find homes and ha not have any restrictions it's not a lot of paperwork they just need a passport and a health certificate um but there's no more paperwork than that vaccine, obviously vaccine. you you have to travel yeah, the dogs have to travel with someone they need a flight buddy um, and we always work with adoption groups. We don't rehome the dog directly to one person in case the adoption doesn't go well for whatever reason. Maybe the the dog um, doesn't get on with the other dog or whatever the reason. Um, the support team needs to needs to be local. We're too far away um, to to give provide that support. That's why we. We rather put our trust in local adoption agencies, uh, groups in, in, in the States. That's amazing. And standing by right now is Rhonda Hart. Hello, Rhonda. Hi. Rhonda actually had the uh, most amazing experience of going to Spain herself uh, with a rescue group and to help rescue Galgo straight out of Spain back to the United States. So. Rhonda, you're going to have to tell me about that experience because uh, that must have been one of the most amazing things that you've done. Um, it truly was uh, the most amazing thing I've ever done. Um, I, I had uh, had the opportunity to help a good friend of mine, uh, Steve Heim, help rescue a dog. And it was just, I actually had no idea that he was into rescuing um, besides just like the one dog that we had saved. And he works with Dr. Karen Michalski and he had, she had mentioned they needed somebody to go to Spain with them. And Steve said, well, my friend just helped me rescue a dog. I'm sure she'd love to. And he asked me, and I was extremely excited from the moment he asked uh, to go help. So uh, it was truly a blessing. Um, Dr. Karen does fundraising that helps pay for airfare. Um, but once you get over there, um, you know, your individual expenses are on you. Uh, so the, the program's amazing because it, it gives us the opportunity to go over there and help um, with the situation over there. 
And so what is the name of the organization that Dr. Karen works with? Dr. Karen um, owns Serenity Animal Hospital. It's in Sterling Heights, Michigan. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's who you went overseas with then. Um, and how long ago was this? This is about four years ago. Um, mm -hmm. They went again a year after that, and I wasn't able to go on that trip. But um, I mean, and then because of the pandemic, we haven't been able to go, but I'm beyond excited that we uh, have the opportunity to go back in uh, March of 2023. That's amazing. So tell me when you go, obviously, you know, you get on the plane, uh, you land, what happens after that? What goes into rescuing these animals? Um, well, it's, it's a 10 hour flight. Um, well, it's two separate flights, but it's a total of 10 hours. So that was very interesting. If you've never flown to Europe and been on a plane that long, um, it was my first time. So um, it, it went really well. But once you get there, um, we try to have pre-scheduled uh, places that we stay at and, and then a preset amount of time. And the first time I went, uh, we didn't have the connections that we have now. Um, Anna Clemens is one of the connections that we had uh, met in person when we were there. And she's truly an amazing uh, person and what she does. But we actually had the opportunity to drive all over Spain and meet several people. And so you got to go to uh, different rescues uh, that were available uh, to get dogs. Oh, because at the time we didn't, you know, like, it, like now we can go through Anna and it's really easy, but before um, that's not, we didn't have those set uh, people. So uh, we actually had to drive all over and it was really overwhelming. The, um, you never really understand the full impact until you go over there and see it for yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what did you see? Um. The dogs, I was amazed at how, how well behaved and how uh, beautiful the dogs are. They are truly the sweetest, uh, most gentle dogs. And, but when you go to the shelters, they're really overwhelmed um, at the end of the hunting season because they just discard them, unfortunately, as if they're um, an item. So whenever you you go there, uh, obviously, how do you get to choose which animal you save or is it already chosen for you? Um, no, Dr. Karen, um, <clears throat> since Dr. Karen basically is the main person rescuing, um, but we, we flew um, via Luthenza and Luthenza would only allow us to bring two large dogs and one small dog back with us. So we would uh, go around and Dr. Karen would uh, pick the dogs that were coming back with us. And it's, it's really sad because you get over there and you seriously want to empty an airplane and just bring them all, all back. Yeah, I can only imagine. But uh, I think, you know, if I had to walk through a shelter and pick which dog was, I was going to take, that would be very difficult. So it's kind of good that it's already chosen for you. Uh, that's important. Yeah. Now, I can tell you that um, <clears throat> I'm a very empathic person and to go over there, I broke down a couple of times just because um, it, it's, 
it was my first experience. Um, the others that I've been with had been there before, so they had experienced it before, but um, it's really overwhelming. <clears throat> I can only imagine. Um, you know, and that's one thing I keep saying. I mean, I have my own dogs, uh, rescue dogs, and to imagine anyone hurting them in any way uh, is horrible, and they have me to stick up for them. What about these animals that have no voices? So people like you who are these beautiful souls that are coming out from all over the world to come and help these animals. I mean, that is just beautiful. You know, it's uh, humanity at its best. Just when you think sometimes you're losing faith in, you know, humanity, you, you, there are still a lot of good people out there and you're one of them, Rhonda. And so Aww, thank you. Thank um, you so much for doing what you do. I, I'm just very blessed that there are people like Dr. Karen and, and Anna Clemens that uh, put together the opportunity to allow people to help. Mm -hmm. And so I know that, you know, you said you flew Lufthansa. Um, it allowed, for each person, you're allowed two dogs. And during your experience, how many people were with you? So how many dogs were you able to bring so back? We, we had a total of six people together. Um, that went. So we are allowed two large dogs each and then three small dogs. And the, the small dogs have to be small enough to where you can take on the plane and kind of fit underneath your seat. Mm. And the large dogs go into their own area. But um, even that in itself, it sounds, peop, you know, people probably think, well, that's easy. That's no big deal. But the thing of it is when you um, have the large dogs, you have to bring their crates that they're going to be put in you have to break it down in front of um customs and then you have to put it back together again and then when you go and then when you get the dogs they actually put the dogs through customs and they x-ray them and everything and you have to literally do that all over again like it's this and then they each have to be cleared with uh, their own personal passport. So I knew the experience wasn't a vacation, but the whole experience, I have to honestly say, was the most amazing thing I've ever done. Even though I knew it wasn't like, I knew we went there with a purpose. Right. Now, do you have chance to bond with these dogs when you get them or do you just get them and directly go to the airport? Um, no, we were, um, when we went, I think we were there. Um, we did have people that left on different days because um, it had to do with the availability of being able to take the dogs on the airplane. Mm -hmm. So we had to leave um, different days at different times. But I was one of the, Steve was the very last one to stay, but I was uh, next to Steve and Dr. Karen. Uh, so I was one of the very last ones. And we had rescued three Chinese uh, crescents. Uh, and I have to admit that I normally a big dog person, but for some reason, these dogs instantly came right to me. They sat on my lap. They literally slept with me every night. And you do, you really get extremely attached to these dogs because uh, we treat them as if, they're a pet like we do here so they instantly know they're getting like vip treatment compared to what they were before we got them and um it was extremely hard to have them go two of them went home i think a day before i did and then 
uh, that was really heartbreaking to like have to let him go. And then I live in an apartment, so I'm only allowed one animal anyways. And so the the day I left, I had to uh, leave uh, Lily, it was her name. And I guess they said that when I left, she cried for four hours because she was just so sad because we we seriously got that bonded in that short of a time so it's really hard but I guess it's a very similar to fostering here where you you get to love on them and take care of them um, but then once they get adopted you have to let them go yeah that's the problem though is that I definitely am a foster fail I would probably adopt every animal and then you know that would be too much but it's it's definitely hard and you have to think you know you've got to let them go to allow more room for others, you know? And uh, so that's a beautiful thing that you have done. And then once you, you know, you bring them back, obviously you got to go through customs with the dogs and they go directly to the organization that, it's not like they go directly to somebody's home. They go to the organization where they are put up for adoption. The, The amazing thing is that these dogs go into foster homes. They don't, they don't just sit into a shelter like dogs do here. So it that's and I really love that that they get to go from a home to a home mm-hmm. once they're here. That's excellent, and they also get to you know learn social skills and be around people. Mm-hmm. They're not just sitting, you know, in a shelter. So that's that's also very great news. And um, thank you, thank you for doing what you do. Uh, it's amazing. Um, you know, if I know that you had given me a picture of which I'm sharing here of the Chinese crescents that you had helped. Uh, This is an update of how they're doing. They seem to be doing very well. Um, And thank you again for everything that you have done and for sharing your story. And I hope more and more people can come out and do what you do. I also wanna thank you for uh, making sure that you've sent that letter to the Spanish ambassador as well, uh, because I've been trying to encourage everyone throughout this broadcast uh, to do so. So thank you again, Rhonda, for everything. Yeah, thank you. Um, and I'd like to honestly uh, thank Anna because she is just um, one of the, she, we, we can advocate from here, but she's, she's there mm-hmm. advocating from Spain. And um, so I, I, it's an honor to be her friend and to try to help with this because it truly is something that definitely needs awareness. Definitely. Yes. And you're right. Thank you. So now let's get back to Anna. I want you to also share a recent uh, success story of rescuing a Galgo and what happened to that Galgo. Oh yeah, um, let me tell you one for instance. I remember uh, there, there was one and she was um, very streetwise. My goodness, she, she never got run over and she was going um, back and forth crossing a main road and um, I heard about about her and so I went over and 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 saw that there was food being put on the side of the road for her so I wrote I left a piece of paper with my phone number and I said please call me if you're feeding this dog and the person did and we joined forces because she had um he the man feeding her had gained um her trust and so she could recognize the sound of his motor when when he when he approached and then she would come she would appear so um i went once and uh twice and three times and after a couple of times um she didn't 
see me as a threat. And um, we put we put sedatives in her food. And then she she got groggy and uh, we were able to to follow her and um, and catch her. And the funny thing is, um, after she she was vaccinated and and all and prepared to to leave, um, she went to America to live with a lovely family. And I remember that the day that that she was on the flight and I was looking in the sky and seeing a, a plane fly across the sky and I was thinking, gosh, I wonder if she's in there on that flight. And it was just a, a, a it was it was a goodbye, but a happy one. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's what a beautiful feeling. I mean, the the job that you guys do is a hard one. Anybody in the rescue world will tell you rescuing is is very hard uh, on you. It's taxing on your emotions, but when you have a success story, it's so well worth it. You know. And so I'm sure out there, people are wondering how can we help? What can we do? And I feel that. Obviously, if you want to adapt to Galgo, how do you go about getting in touch? Well, it's easy. You just go into sosgalgos.org and there's an English version to our website. You'll see the, the Union Jack flight, uh, flag. And, um, and I always answer the emails um, because we don't all speak English, but I do. And so I'm always in charge of the um, English emails and and I'm in direct contact straight away. You know, we don't uh, we don't waste time. <laughs> we take every every opportunity that comes by for a galgo. So we we always ask people to get in touch with us through our website and by email. It's info at sosgalgos.org. Mm -hmm. That's wonderful. Obviously, um, people can if you if you can't adopt, you can always sponsor a galgo. Mm. Yes, actually, actually, we send um, sponsorship certificates um, and with a photo of the dog and a thank you um, letter with the name of the dog and, and thank you, a personalized thank you, and which you can, you can print out and you can frame and hang on your wall because it's so pretty. <laughs> and we, we, all, we also let you know when the dog's been adopted and thank you again. Uh, in case you you want to uh, sponsor another one, most people sponsor for about fifteen euros a month, mm -hmm. and uh, so some dogs can have a lot of sponsors, and that can help us yeah. because you know you can't expect someone to sponsor it completely. But some some people do. Some people give a hundred euros a month, and every everything counts. Everything sums up. One euro a, a month, or that's 12 euros a year. That doesn't sound significant, but every little piece helps, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. You donation or you could do a monthly. It's up to you. It's set up on the website. I saw you can tell it what you want. You also have a PayPal as well. Yes. Which is sosgalgos at sosgalgos.org. Okay. And, um, I know that you have a Facebook, so people can donate through Facebook at the SOS Galgos Facebook official. That is correct. Yes, that is completely trustworthy. We have that set up on Instagram and on uh, Facebook. It's Facebook. Um, it's SOS Galgos official. It would, yes, we're official. Yeah. It's with one F in Spanish. It's not a mistake. Yeah. <laughs> right. And, and uh, yeah. You know, if you have Amazon, and I know a lot of people have Amazon, I know I do. Um, I think the Amazon delivery truck is always in front of my my house. You know, the Amazon wish list is there, uh, not the wish list, sorry, the um, 
Uh, yeah, the wish list, the smile wish list. Yes, absolutely. Yes, yes, because you know some of some of our dogs eat um, specific um, food. They're on specific diets um, for their allergies or for their ailments or whatever. So we do need, um, and and some of it's expensive. So we need help. You know, um, even you know, just a small bag would be helpful. And we have other things, you know, that we need help with, like bleach or hose pipes that break sometimes, you know, we use them a lot and just really practical things, coats for the dogs in the winter because they don't have, we don't have heating um, outside because it doesn't snow here, uh, but, but, you know, we need to get coats on them and uh, we have room. They're not in cages, they're in runs. They're, they've got their inside rooms uh, with the door always open and then we have connecting doors so that the runs um, are separated and they're in groups of three or four or two depending on how they how they gel together yes so yeah it's uh it works it's a nice design I think for their emotional well-being and then we have upstairs we have a capacity for 16 dogs and they're inside and uh, they're more for the elderly or the ones that need special TLC uh, or are recovering um, or, or are scared to be with others. Um, we have a puppy now upstairs with a broken leg. She's so sweet. Her name is Cometa, which means little star. <laughs> she's so gorgeous. She has the most purest face. And once she's been operated on, she'll be, she'll be um, available for adoption absolutely gorgeous little creature yeah. what a wonderful thing you guys have thought of everything you know also so amazon wish list the amazon smile obviously if you put you know people were to put uh, sos galgos uh you would get some of that as well um and you know and importantly copy the letter that i'm gonna put in this uh please time is of essence at the moment and and this is so important for everyone to do their bit now it only takes two minutes. You just copy and paste and send to the email that's stated. Yes, here. Spanish ambassador. And lastly, educate. You know, if uh, if there's one thing you, you can do, it's just educate. That's so easy. You could forward information to people, talk about it to others. Um, you know, right. you're at a table, just you know, hey, let me tell you about what I found out about Galgos or what are Galgos yeah. going through. Yeah. More Absolutely. Oh, about this. The more education we can get out there, the better. So this has Absolutely. been very insightful. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me and to educate me about Galgos. Honestly, I myself did not know much. So this. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Uh, you know, for for raising awareness, and uh, it's just been an honor to be able to talk about the Galgos with you here today. Thank you. And I hope that when we do talk again, we will be celebrating that the amendment is going to be protecting these dogs. That would be a delightful day, right? Absolutely. <laughs> thank you so much, Anna. And it was a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, thank you to SOS Galgoas and all its partnerships. And um, I hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you, Iman. Likewise. Thank you so much. If you like what you see and hear, please press the follow button and share this podcast so we can reach as many people as possible to save more lives. Thank you for listening to The Rescue Revolution. I'm Iman Gwaley, leaving you with this final message. 
Paying it forward is not a choice. It's a fundamental obligation of being human. Please pay it forward by saving a soul today.